Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 26, 2017, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book. We're on page 8. We'll be reading the second full paragraph, beginning trembling I stepped from the hospital, and comments on that paragraph only. Today's readers are Tenzin P. for the 12 Steps, Susan M. for the 12 Traditions. Readers of the text are Amy G., Elaine B., and Marie J. Our newcomer greeter is Russ M., and the host for the second hour is Gina R. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, December the 25th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, is 10,835. That's 10835. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 10,836. That's 10836. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P., to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P, checking in. Sorry. Uh, Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, 
made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Softer prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tinson P. I will now ask Susan M. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Susan M., recovered, never cured in Oklahoma. These are the 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Tradition seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tradition 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. <laughs> 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. In Tradition 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us place principles before personalities. Thanks for your service, Lisa. I pass. Thank you, Susan M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 8, 
Paragraph two, beginning trembling, I stepped from the hospital, reading and sharing on just that one paragraph. And I now ask Amy G. to get us started. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, everyone. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Trembling, I stepped from the hospital, a broken man. Fear sobered me for a bit. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. And on Armistice Day, 1934, I was off again. Everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end. How dark it is before the dawn. In reality, that was the beginning of my last debauch. I was soon to be catapulted into what I call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Wow, this is a powerful, powerful paragraph for me. So packed, jam-packed with so much. So where are we right now? We're in Bill's story, and we're in the progression of this devastating disease, and we're coming to the end here for Bill. And um, it talks about it on page 25. If you're as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and we passed into a region from which there was no return from human aid. We had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. And I can certainly relate to where Bill is right now. I didn't, couldn't imagine life with out my binge foods or with my binge foods. I was at the jumping off point and I was at the end. And here he says he steps out a broken man and I can understand what that is, to not have any hope whatsoever and no motivation. I mean, he says fear sobered him for a bit, but even with fear for me, without the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery for me, without the process of working the 12 steps, even fear couldn't hold me from putting my binge foods into my mouth. Circumstances couldn't stop me from putting my binge foods into my mouth. Consequences, no matter how much I wanted, no matter how much motivation or willpower, I couldn't stop from putting the food in my mouth. This is a devastating two-fold disease, a physical allergy and a mental obsession, and we're seeing this and how it's ravaging Bill in his story as well as it did in mine. I can relate to the ravages of what the food did to me. And if we scoot ahead again to page 24, I like to call it the powerless page. There's so many, there's a, it's like a nail in a coffin for every paragraph. It says, at a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is absolutely no avail. The next paragraph, we have lost the power of choice in drink. We are without defense against the first drink. The next paragraph, there is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. The next paragraph, when this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. And that is where Bill is right now, and that's where I was. But, oh, the dark before the dawn. Having said that, how is it possible with this last sentence that he says, I was to know happiness, peace, usefulness, and in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes? 
it is this program of recovery. Those quotes I just read you on page 24 is in the is in the chapter. There is a solution. We have a solution here in this program that brings us freedom. Not only freedom from the food calling us, from the mental obsession, from the insidious insanity to take that first drink or that first bite. We have a program that works. And, then we are, and it talks about it here. When we are approached in whom the problem has been solved, there is a solution. We have these 12 Hi. steps. This is a program that works. And I'll just wrap up by saying, you know, we stand at a turning point. It's coming up in the beginning of the year. Please take a look at what this program has to offer. We offer freedom. This program works. Join us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. And now, who would like to share on what was read? Elizabeth G. Barbara E. CJ. Rowan M. Okay, so I have Harlan G. Karen. I think I have Elizabeth. Jackie B. Um, Barbara. Hang on. Okay, so Harlan G., Elizabeth. Barbara, I think it was Marie J, it was somebody J, Rowan M, and Jackie B. Let's stop with that. Um, who was it? Somebody J after Marie, after Barbara E. Karen A. It Karen, was Marie to, J. It was Marie J. Okay, hang on, Karen. I'll, Karen, I'll take you in the second group. So I have Harlan G, Elizabeth, you'll have to give me your last initial. Barbara E., Marie J., Rowan M., and Jackie B. Harlan, please get us started. Thank you very much, and thank you to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Bill has been sober for a while. It is now November 11, 1934. Armistice Day is the day that World War I ended. The date that World War I ended, we would know it now as Veterans Day, November 11th. It is a beautiful Indian summer day in New York City. It's in the 60s. And Bill would like to go and play golf. Lois is very reluctant to give him money to go play golf because usually golf meant concentrating on the 19th hole, which is where he would go to the bar after the 18 holes and get drunk. He gets on a bus. He has money from Lois. He's like a kid with an allowance. He meets a guy who gets on the bus with a rifle. Now, could you imagine today getting on a New York bus with a rifle? The guy has a rifle that Bill is familiar with because Bill knows a lot about firearms, and he has a conversation with a guy about the rifle. The, the guy is going uh, shooting, skeet shooting, at a place right near the end of the line where Bill is scheduled to golf. The bus is involved in an accident. Bill spends a lot of time telling the guy on the bus ride about what alcohol has just done to him and that he's just been in the hospital for the second time. They have to wait for another bus to come. The bus has been involved in an accident. The bartender comes over to the two gentlemen sitting at a table and says, were you guys in the service? And they say, yes. And he says, beers are on the house. He sets a beer in front of Bill. He sets a beer in front of beer, Bill's new friend. And without so much as a thought, 
Bill downs the beer. And the guy says to him, after everything that you've just told me, are you crazy? And Bill says, I must be. But the allergy makes it impossible for him to stop, and Lois's fears are confirmed. He is now drunk. But there's a lot of things going on behind Bill that Bill is not aware of until after the fact that are going to change the history of the world. We're going to get to them tomorrow. But for right now, Bill is writing this after the fact, and he says he's soon to be catapulted because at the end of November, he is going to be catapulted into what he likes to call the fourth dimension. Now, there's the dimension of height, the dimension of width, and the dimension of, (coughs) excuse me, these facate allergies again, height, width, and depth. The fourth dimension is the dimension of the spiritual, the dimension of his higher power, his God. And he is soon to be catapulted. A catapult is something that throws him through the air to go into this. He is to be catapulted into that fourth dimension of existence. And these are some of the most beautiful promises. I'll close with this. He is to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. So we're now going to see that Bill has plunged for eight pages into the abyss of his alcoholism, and now through the Oxford group, he is now going to be catapulted into the dimension of his higher power. As quickly as he went down, he is now going to start going up. The hand of God is more and more apparent to those here who are willing to see it. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. And Elizabeth, you're up next. If you'll give me the first initial of your last name, followed by Barbara E. Yes, it's D, as in Donald. Thank you. Go ahead. My name's Elizabeth D. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, not cured, in the Boston area. Trembling, I stepped from the hospital a broken man. How dark it is before the dawn. Um... This paragraph, in particular, um, comes straight from my higher power today because it was on this day last year that I had um, a bottom, a real bottoming out. Um, I was eating today like I've never eaten before. And I am a woman who has gained and lost 100 pounds and had a tummy tuck because of all the excess um, skin on my, on my uh, tummy. And I'd had um, two, three years before this, I'd had, um, well, no, actually only a year before, I'd had that surgery. And now, here I am, December 26th, at my brother's house celebrating the holiday and eating my brains out in a relapse like I've never had before. And the pain of my surgery, I had only had the surgery, actually I'm a little bit fuzzy this morning, um, about uh, within, within the year. And so you can imagine the pain um, that I felt, physical pain. But even more than that was the devastation of being back in the food. 
but oh my gosh, how dark it is before the dawn. And one of the things that it's very important for me to remember and for me to say as a recovered woman is that this was a bottom for me. It was not the bottom because there is another bottom out there anytime I want it. Anytime I decide that I am that to take my will back and to be in charge of my life and be self-sufficient without a higher power, anytime I decide to go in that direction for one day, two days, four days, whatever, there's another bottom waiting for me. And it's even d- lower and deeper than that, the last one. My powerlessness dwells precisely in the fact that I don't know how bad this disease can get for me. I don't know, so I can never assume that I can ever, ever pick up any of my, my uh, trigger foods again. I've been rocketing into the fourth dimension because the next day on December 27th, I went back on my food plan. I suffered mm, two or three days of withdrawal. It is never, my withdrawal is never as bad as my disease is, is, tells me it's going to be before I go into it. That's part of the thing that keeps me eating when I'm in relapse. Oh my God, the withdrawal is going to be horrible. It wasn't. What it was was a gift. And I'll wrap up by saying that desperation that I got on December 27th was the greatest gift of my life. And I have been rocketed catapulted into the fourth dimension of existence one day at a time. Thank you, God, and I'll pass. Thank you, Elizabeth D. And Barbara E., you're up, followed by Marie J. Thank you so much, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful day yesterday. It's the faces around the table, certainly. For me, not the food. Yesterday in the meeting, uh, we were hearing such empowering words, quicksand, morass, self-pity, brain, uh, wet brain, which means a vegetative state, loneliness, despair, finally regret for his wife. But today, he's off again on another drunken spree. The insanity of that first drink, how dark it is before the dawn, I love the share that referenced pages 24 and 25 from There is a Solution to make the connection for me. For me, I had to be finally desperate enough to try a program that kept using strange, scary words like spiritual, fourth dimension, psychic journey, and God, and loss of control. But I had no alternative. I had to make a decision. I was indeed powerless. I thought I'd hit bottom many times before, just like Bill, when I had to take washcloths to my thighs because there was no skin left from the friction, when I had to have a knee operation, when a doctor told me I was losing my eyesight and I had a two-year-old and a three-year-old, I don't know whether this is an urban myth, uh, myth about Mama past choking on a turkey sandwich. I had a fear of choking because I would open a bag and tip my head back and pour the contents of the bag in. It's a wonder I did not choke. 
And finally, leaving my young children alone asleep in their crib to go down to the center to buy food. Where was my bottom going to be? Finally, when I had to change schools, go from one school that I loved, that I was considered a special teacher at, to another school within the same town because I couldn't climb the stairs anymore. I had to leave colleagues and students and parents that I loved and to go into a different situation, which turned out beautifully. But that was my bottom. I had to do something. And no, I was not catapulted into the fourth dimension. It was the slow, slow drip, the educational variety. But I never gave up on myself because I knew I was worth it and my family was worth it. And if you're out there and you struggled, get back on, get back on. This is my opinion, but it feels so good to do this. And thank you, everyone, for being here today and for our moderator. And I look forward to the rest of your shares. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. And Marie J., you're up, followed by Roanne M. Thank you. This is Marie J., and I'm recovered in uh, Colorado. And, of course, here Bill is talking in hindsight, and he's talking about the gift that this last bin was for him because it was his last. But he didn't know it in the moment, and so that's where, you know, the darkness is before the dawn. And I think about my first meeting that I attended and was introduced to this work and how I knew in that moment that my life was going to change and I knew it, I already had my last binge and I was terrified and I knew from the hope that I was hearing in the meeting that here was a solution, but I didn't understand how it was going to happen. And I, I knew I'm going to change. This is going to change. Everything's going to change. But I was really, really afraid. I was afraid to lose my friend. I was afraid to lose my comfort. I seriously went to bed at night thinking I was going to die and not be able to get up because of the loss of the sugar and the other binge foods in my life. And I didn't understand at that time that sugar was my solution and food was my solution and it made me feel better and it helped me cope. And of course, there was so much self-reliance in that, knowing in that moment, oh, my life is about to change and how am I going to do this? That was all about how am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this? I knew it was a solution, but I really thought I had to do it. And at the time, I didn't understand that losing my self-centeredness and my self-reliance was the way I was going to get there. That's how it was going to be done. And that was a practice. I had to practice the surrender every day. I had to get good at it just like exercising a muscle. Every day I had to rely on this higher power to, to take, to lift the, the alcoholic foods out of my life. And today my life gets better every day. I'm just blown away that there is more and more and more explosive happiness as time passes, just like Bill says here. I mean, I, I look over the last two days and can't even begin to tell you 
what the holidays were like without being having food as the center of everything. And I had this last Christmas too. I mean, I had the most magnificent, beautiful holiday last year, and I was blown away by it. But when I look at the candid photographs that were taken of me engaged with someone at this holiday, I mean, I had 25 people in from out of town, and my family just kept coming, and, and this year it was double what it was last year. And I just look at the exquisite happiness on my face there engaged with my family, completely only focused on these people and this relationship and not on the food. And I'm just blown away at that face. I can see what they talk about when they talk about what, what Bill saw in Abby. Oh, my gosh, that exquisite life getting better and better and better. I'm just so grateful. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Marie J. And Roanne M., you're up, followed by Jackie B. Hi, this is Roanne M. I'm a gratefully recovering compulsive overreader calling from New York. Grateful to be on the line. I love this paragraph. Um, when I think about the first sentence, uh, I came from the hospital, a broken man. I just think about myself and my disease always feeling broken. Like I was, there was always something wrong with me. I was never okay. I never felt okay. I would never be okay. I felt completely broken, like I needed to be fixed, and I was always looking for externals to fix me, and I was always looking in the wrong places, and I just, and unhealthy places, so that line, feeling like a broken man, that just really stands out to me, and fear sobered me for a bit, so that's when I would, you know, feel like I would get back on my diet, so to speak, where I would be so afraid of my behavior that I would get back on track. And then because I would feel okay and I'd be like, okay, I'm good again. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink, but nope, I wasn't okay. I would start binging again and it wouldn't last. And it says on Armistice Day, I was 1934, I was off again. And then everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end. See, I just, I didn't know what to do with myself at that point. It was like I I was so baffled by the fact that I was in this insanity yet again, on and off and on and off and on and off, how dark it is before the dawn. It was, I was just, at the point where I felt like I was going to kill myself. And then it says, in reality, that was the beginning of my last debauch. That is, the, the debauch is a drinking spree, a period of corrupt indulgence. So this is where Bill is finally surrendering. It's the beginning of his last corrupt indulgence. So he's finally about to get to the point where he's had it. He's had it. He realizes that he can't do this anymore. He can't do things his way. He's getting to the end. He's hitting his wall. And then we have this amazing sentence, which is just so uplifting. It brings hope to us who have been so beaten down by this illness. 
I was seen to be catapulted in what I like to be called call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness. Usefulness, my gosh. To me, the idea that I could be useful to someone, that is such a foreign concept to me. I, I, I just could not even believe that. So anyway, I just love this paragraph, and thank you so much for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rowan M. And Jackie B., it's your turn. Hi, this is Jackie B. from the Bronx. Can I be heard? You can. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for your service and for your presence today. Um, what I highlighted, which, like, like um, really got me was I was off again. Um, it was always I was off again, no matter how many times I would stop for a while or I would, you know, change my brand or, you know, only do this on once a week. You know, it was always Sunday and Saturday, of course, because I always started the weeks like that. Um, I just couldn't stop. And you know what? Now today, reflecting on it, I don't know if I really wanted to stop. I just wanted to coast. Um, I do not regret all the years of the forms of recovery I've had in the past because it led me to this recovery today. This recovery today is open, honest, and willing. This recovery today is has integrity and honesty that spirituality comes first, being of service to others, and not trying to manipulate or have people do things to make me feel better. The same thing is with the food. The food today, as long as I keep those ingredients, those issues or those behaviors away from my food plan, I have calm, I have serenity, and I have willingness to accept who I am today. I know that even yesterday, I was so, for lack of a better word, for shimmeled, I was so full of fear and anxiety, um, but yet I stayed abstinent. Yet I was able to be present. I went to a family gathering on Sunday, and it was fabulous. I was honest. My family went out of their way to make sure that my recovery was first and foremost, but yet I was part of a family. Who knew that board games could be so funny? Who knew that I could laugh so hard with family? Who knew that I was loved? Because I surely thought I wasn't. I thought I had to run through hoops. I had to eat my way through love. Today I don't. Today I am Jackie. I'm recovering one day at a time with this program, and I'm willing to say that I am a compulsive overeater. That's not going to change. What's going to change is that I have a spiritual program, I have these steps, and I have this program to do every day. And thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jackie B. And and before we move on, just a reminder of where we are today. Um, we're on page eight in Bill's story, and we're reading the second full paragraph, beginning, trembling, I stepped from the hospital and commenting on that paragraph. 
And I have Karen, who I didn't get her first initial of her last name, and who else would like to share? Lisa B. Sarah G. Carol R. Elaine B. Kelly Elaine B. Kelly, I better stop there. Okay, what I have is, and Karen, you'll have to give me your uh, first initial of your last name. Karen, Lisa B., Sarah, Carol, Larry. Uh, Maybe I should take one more. Elaine B. Elaine B. Elaine, yeah, I heard you, Elaine B. Okay. All right. I better start with those, um, and I'll take. I and we'll see how we go with our time. Karen, you're up. Karen, by Lisa B. Oh, it's Karen Sorry. A. Can you hear me? Thank you, Karen. I can. Go ahead. Thank you. Thanks to all on the line who made this um, phone meeting possible. Um, I'm Karen A. K A R Y N on the member list. If you look it up. Um, I just wanted to share on this because um, I really feel as though this is the rock bottom. And when I go through this with my sponsees, I present this as the paragraph where he hit rock bottom. Um, And I've been there, and I do not want to go back. So the story I have to share uh, happened yesterday. My husband had brought a turkey. He had invited his relatives over uh, for a meal, and I was the cook, of course. I looked at the turkey, this huge turkey, and in huge letters were the ingredients of the turkey, inside the turkey. And the second ingredient, believe it or not, and this was from our local store, was sugar. I was dumbfounded. I was like, "What? why would anyone use sugar for a turkey? Well, Without questioning, I just went on and made the turkey, and I sat down. When we served the turkey, I did not eat the turkey. I did not want the turkey. I watched everyone eat it, and I passed it back and forth past me. I had the uh, other foods that were totally abstinent for me, but no meat. And I did it happily because I do not want to go back to that rock-bottom feeling It was a nightmare for me, and I'm so thankful to my higher power that although this program is not easy, living in that fourth dimension makes anything possible, anything doable. If a person is new to this way of living, believe me, it will be a way of life. It will be a place to live inside that is safe. According to our higher power, he well, my, in my life, it's God. He provides that for me. And so I, you know, I, I don't know if it was, there was a gravy packet in the, in the turkey stuff. And so maybe that was where the sugar was. But I didn't want to take a chance because, you know, I get to wake up this morning and call in and be abstinent and be happy and have all of the things that are promised in this paragraph. But rock bottom is a place I don't want to ever go, and there is no sacrifice too great. If I have a meatless meal, it's no problem. And I just want to thank God, and I want to thank all of you for this opportunity to share and for being in this in this wonderful way of living. Hang in there if you're new. If you've, if you've gone past the point of no return, just start again. 
start again. It's not a crime. Higher power will always be there to help us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Karen A. And Lisa B., you're up, followed by Sarah. Good morning. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you, Lisa, for your service. And thank you for all the shares. I've been able to get so much out of each person that shared. I like the line that says, I was to know, and then it goes on to say happiness, peace, usefulness. So no, you know, another word for no is conscious, aware. I was not aware that I had been asleep. I had been living my entire life asleep, unconscious, unconscious, almost dead to the world. But, you know, I got married like that. I went to school like that. I worked like that. I picked a career like that all kinds of things. I had no idea that the food was keeping me unconscious. And even being on sometimes a clean, so quote unquote clean food plan, you know, because I'm an addict, I need to get recovered. So food is a symbol, it's a symptom of the spiritual malady. And I kept thinking if I could just get the right food plan. And then he talks about catapulted. What a powerful word. That also means launched, hurled hurled in a specified direction. This is about getting a spiritual awakening. This big book describes that we need to have a deep and effective. It can't be like low-grade so-so. Like this disease wants me dead, but it will settle for me to be dead in the head, you know, dead in the head, um, unhappy, miserable. And I need to work through these steps, but I need to do it at a quick pace. And what I keep seeing and as I work with others is, you know, many times people just linger on a step. They get a little bit comfortable. They maybe have some abstinence, and then they just kind of linger. I know because I've been through the 12 steps, and I get reminded every day I need to be catapulted. It's got to be a deep and effective through working all the 12 steps, not just some of them. And then the other word I love is peace. Wow, I have been seeking peace my whole life. Peace also means freedom from disturbance. That's why I love the 10th step. Anytime I'm disturbed, I do the 10th step. It also means quiet, tranquility, restfulness, the opposite of restless, irritable, and discontented, which is the way as a natural state for me to go into that. It's not natural for me to be tranquil and peaceful. That's why every day I need to do the steps, you know, and every day I need to be entirely abstinent. I need all the 12 steps. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. And Sarah, if you give me the first initial of your last name, you're up, followed by Carol. My name is Sarah G, as in good. Great. Uh, Go ahead, Sarah. Sure. Thank you. Uh, compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, um, uh, recovered just for today by the grace of my higher power. And I have loved all the shares, especially uh, it's interesting to me to, to learn some of the history behind what happened to Bill uh, during this period of time. So my hiatus, I came into OA the first time in 1988 and stayed for a couple of years. So my hiatus was a little, my first uh, foray into this program was a little longer uh, than Bill's. um, I don't know how long he was uh, sober, but certainly not two years. And um, then I went back out because I wasn't working the steps. I wasn't calling my sponsor. I was not doing anything that I heard anybody say that worked for them. 
No, I thought that I had um, the ability to do this on my own. All I needed was just a few uh, tips, you know, to help me move along. And uh, so I went back out with my so-called tips. And uh, what I ended up doing, I was a, a binger and, and purger, so I, I threw up um, initially. And then I started using laxatives. So I just went from bad to worse and um, and, and got, uh, you know, every day I, I would swear to myself that I was not going to do this today. And every day I would pick right back up. And so one day I um, had the laxative and uh and overdosed on it and i couldn't get to the toilet in time so um that's just to say where i'm coming from um and then that brought me back into program i was sort of catapulted by this um you know this crazy thing that had happened and um i just feel like and it took me another year really to yeah. to sort of get it and uh to get fully abstinent um and start working the steps uh, but I believe that this program, today I believe that this program is the only place, the only thing that will keep me abstinent and sober. And I just am so grateful. I, I had to, I started my Christmas day yesterday with um, a meeting with uh, other fellows and uh, loved it, just loved it because it really sort of set the tone for the day. And then I had a beautiful Christmas day with my um, some friends and, and relatives and um, just enjoyed it. And it wasn't about the food, which, you know, in, in days past it would have been. But today, uh, yesterday it was about the people. And I, I am so grateful for that. And with that, I'm going to pass. And thank you for your service. Um, as I say, I loved every, everybody's share. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Sarah G. And Carol, you'll have to give me the first initial of your last name. If you're not Carol, please be sure to hit star one and make sure you're muted. Carol, you're up, followed by Larry. I hear somebody. Is it Carol? Okay, maybe I got that wrong. Larry K, are you available? Again. Again, style one. I am. I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? Go ahead, Larry. Yes, I can. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for your service. I appreciate that. I'm Larry K. I'm a recovered uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. The um, you know I read here you know Bill was trembling. He stepped from the, house, the the hospital, broken man, and then and if we go a bit further, we see how he was he was catapulted into that fourth dimension, that spiritual dimension that we hear about. See, he, you don't go from trembling. If you were trembling, you were trembling yesterday. You're trembling this morning. Unfortunately, you don't go right from the trembling phase to being rocketed or catapulted to the fourth dimension of existence. You may know that, but I'm I'm just here to tell you from my experience, you don't go from the trembling phase to that that fourth dimension it's going to take some action it's going to take some work you're going to need some resilience you're going to need to try to remain hopeful 
that's why you're on the line. We're, we're on the line. We're, we're, we're using these things to learn, but we're also to gain support from our fellows while we recover. You'll never recover as a result of coming on this line. You, you, you recover by taking action, very specific actions. And you're going to need some resilience and you're going to need to, to be willing to go through a period of uncomfortability. And I'm just giving it to you straight. That anyone on this line, anyone on this line, I can, I can speak for them because I've had this experience that if they've been rocketed into this, catapulted into the spiritual dimension, they had to be willing to go through a period of uncomfortability, pain, suffering, yes, because putting the food down is, is, is one of the worst things because then you start to feel your feelings. And you're going to feel like you're ready to crawl out of your skin. And there's perhaps you, you're, that's what you're feeling this morning. So you, you, the only way that you can cross this bridge to freedom, the only way ever, the way that Bill went from that trembling person, it almost reads like you can go from trembling, maybe say a prayer, Hail Mary, you know, and, and then you're going to be rocketed. It'll never happen. He did some work. Every recovered person on this line did some work. It took some grit. It did. It really takes some grit and resiliency to do that because it's not for the, for the faint of heart. I can tell you that. But you don't have to work it perfectly. You do need to put your food down perfectly. You, you, got, you got to put the, the needle down, right? You can't work the steps while you're drunk. You can't, you can't, you can't game the system. You, 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 got to, you got to put in the work. If you put in the work, I can assure you that you'll cross this bridge to freedom. You know what? Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed this path. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous and these steps. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Elaine B., you're up. Thank you so much for your service, Lisa. This is Elaine B. Recovered, very grateful in Massachusetts. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful for this program and the opportunities that we have to learn about not just the history, not just the peril, the deadliness of our disease, um, but we learn the solution, the hope, the possibility that um, that lies in life. And so I'm going to focus on that with... Um, and the reality, it was the beginning of my last debauch. I was soon to be capitu- uh, <laughs> catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. You know, when Bill penned those words, um, Of course, he had a life of misery that we've been looking at. We can all relate to our own misery with our food and our life and our unmanageability. But he had no idea the impact that the words he was penning in this little chip of a book would make when he was writing this. And talk about a life that is um, useful and incredibly more wonderful than he could have ever thought or imagined, just like that promise in first paragraph of page 100, that things came out better than anything he could have planned. You know, my higher power is my creator, and I had overridden the, the settings, my factory settings, that fear means 
fear, let's deal with it. Anger means anger, let's deal with it. Resentment means resentment, let's deal with it. Uh, Selfishness, self-seeking meant these are not good, let's deal with it. In fact, I had to uh, I had to learn how to do that because I had rewired all of those things to say, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Feelings are bad, I must stuff them. But this program of action taught me how to deal with them and how to live with them one day at a time. Of course, I did a 10-step yesterday. <laughs> of course, I had a mess to clean up. But you know what? The, the, the life that I live that comes as I keep clear. I'm not only now able to keep those from blocking the sunlight of the spirit, um, but I'm able to get that good orderly direction, God orderly direction that makes me live a life that I am useful, that I can show up, the life my creator made me to be. You know, birds fly, oceans wave, (laughs) leaves fall, but... um, I had things I was created to be. Bill had things he was created to be. And so I'm so glad that he found the design for living, the um, the cue from Dr. Silkworth that I have an allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, and that he found the solution and shared it with us. Who knows what we can be if we follow the dictates of a higher power? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine B. And I heard Vasa O. That's- Vasa, you're on. You could be our last chair for the yes, day. Did. Yes, you did. Okay. Thank okay, you. Vasa, go ahead. Thank you, Lisa, for H, for your service, and I'm grateful for uh, Recovered Compulsive Vita calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And, um, yeah, um, I, food was my master. The paragraph before this, that's step one, on and off, you know, struggle with the food addiction for Many, many, many years. Uh, I never knew they called it addiction. I never knew about the disease. I never knew about the allergy until I was introduced to the big book and and the doctor's opinion. And my sponsor had been in Alcoholics Anonymous for a couple of years, and she was the one that told me about it. I had no clue, and I was so happy to learn about the solution. And, um, uh, again, she said to me at that time, Vasa, you need, we need to find a power greater than ourselves and work the, two, the 12 steps um, to get the help, you know. And I realized I've been doing all this by myself, you know, and feeling so powerless over the years. It's not that I didn't um, try to, you know, to put the food down. I exerted my own power many, many, many times, but I always failed. And this was the key. I just, I had not, what I did not know, I did not know, but once I learned what was wrong with me, and I was ready, I was ready, and I was willing to surrender and put the food in God's hands, although I was terrified. You know, I had a fear of God, you know, but I had no choice in this. I needed to take the risk. Vasa, do you want to live or do you want to die? If you want to continue doing what you're doing, you're going to die. So I did. I did take that risk, and I did surrender on my knees. I did what she told me to do, it, and I was ready and willing. And uh, I did have that spiritual experience. And I had been off the sugar without even going to my first meeting for about a week, you know. 
and was horrible going through the withdrawals. I had the trembles, you know, um, because uh, I was going through the withdrawals. And she said, well, don't worry about it. That That's the, you're going through the withdrawals. Like the alcoholic goes when they put the food, the alcohol down or the drug addict, you know, but don't go back to it. You know, you just pray to God to give you abstinence and work the 12 steps, you know. So for me, it was gradual. And once I surrendered, though, I did, uh, con- I did have that connection with a power greater than myself. Self. Um, it was almost like electrical. And uh, I thought this God was going to strike me down to death, you know. And I was being raised at that moment. And I felt the burden was just lifted on my shoulders. And that's when I really, really started practicing my abstinence and going through the defects. Anger, fear, resentment, I'll wrap it up. Self-pity, envy. You know, I had to deal with all those things without running to the food. I'm not saying it was not, it was comfortable, it was very painful, but I never went back to it. Thank you, and I passed. Thank you, Vasa, and thank you to everyone who shared today. The share ID for today's meeting, Tuesday, December the 26th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, is 10,838. That's 10838. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will uh, Elaine B., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Lisa, for your service. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.